Hello and welcome to episode number 41 of Play Me Tape, a show where we delve song by song into the music that means something. I'm joined by my good friend Darren. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> I had to wait for you to wind down. And my name is Jake. How you doing? You wait for nothing. Good. What's going on? Not, not very much. Really? Nothing? Nothing. Springing forward sucks. Oh, that's right. Ugh, with this daylight savings time. You know, it's daylight saving time, if you want to get technical. Oh, it's not savings? Nope. Right. I wish they'd abolish this. A lot of people do. Yeah, I wish they'd get rid of it. It sucks. Right. For us in the wintertime, the fact that the sun goes down at 4.48 p.m. It's not fun. It's the worst. When there's three feet of snow on the ground and the sun goes down before five o'clock, and especially during COVID time, there is not much to look forward to. <sighs> anyway, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I, thought we were, I thought we were leaving that in a previous episode. I thought we were done with that. I will never leave that. <laughs> that is brilliant. Thank you, yeah. Budweiser. It's the gift that keeps on giving. They did great work with that genius i got a list really i got a list you don't but, say but uh oh we got to take a detour before i can get to my list okay because i'm going surfing stuff. again i gotta talk about so this is a list that i've pulled from nme the nme website what's nme that is a uk music publication oh, okay nme that is where I have found today's list. I won't be reading all 25, but it is a list of 25 breakup albums to tug at your heart strings. It's a neat little list, but there are a lot of lists like it. I just happened to choose this one because I enjoyed the list that they had put together. Now, another list on a similar topic that I came across I pulled from Paste Magazine. And there's a reason that I'm talking about Paste Magazine and their competing list. It's because I found something in their list that made me so angry. <laughs> oh, really? I wanted to take a detour and, um, and discuss it. So both lists are about breakup albums. And that is the theme of this episode, if you had not yet guessed that. Really? Yes. Breakup? Yes. So huh. number 16 on this Paste magazine list. What? 16? Yeah, number 16. We're going to be here for three hours. No, I'm not going through the whole list. Oh, okay, I'm just good. looking at this one song, this one album listed okay. on, on Paste. Their number 16 is Beach Boys Pet Sounds. We discussed them in the previous, we discussed this album in the As previous a, episode. And they're calling it a breakup album? A they breakup are calling album? it, this reviewer is calling it a breakup album. Breakup from what? I don't know. Let me just read what she has written. Katie Cameron from Paste Magazine has written this. Brian denies the inevitable end of a relationship on the too dreamy, don't talk, put your head on my shoulder, and experiments with a ghostly sounding theremin on I just wasn't made for these times. Its use on Mad Men haunts me to this day. Pet Sounds is an album of upending expectations. God Only Knows is possibly the most moving love song ever written. And its opening line is, I may not always love you. Oh, the rage, the rage, the, fi <laughs> the fire, the fire in my brain. I'm having a hard time following. I don't really understand why she considers Pet Sounds a breakup album. I've never ever heard it framed as such yeah I, um, i'm i agree i i never in a million years thought it was a breakup album but okay right so she she references among the things that she calls out so yeah don't talk put your head on my shoulder uh, yeah it seems kind of like <laughs> that could be a valid interpretation of that song but god only knows so she says the song opens with the line i may not always love you She's not wrong. That is the opening line of that song. But the following three lines, also a little important. 
I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you'd never need to doubt it. I'll oh. make you so sure about it. That's how that song opens. Do you know anything about stars? Like, I don't know, the lifespan of stars? <laughs> sure. Their lives are measured in the billions of years. Come on, Katie Cameron. Billions of years isn't convincing enough for you? She, she missed the point. Billions of years. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't sound very committed to me. I think they're going to break up. He didn't say forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I, I'm so sorry. I needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> and I feel cleansed. This okay. house is cleansed. All right. So starting with number 10 on the NME list, as I said, breakup albums to tug at your heartstrings. Hmm. Number 10, Kanye West, 808s and Heartbreak. You familiar with this album? Not at all. Uh, yeah. Came on, came on the heels of two crushing blows in Kanye's life at that time, the death of his mother and the split with fiance Alexis Pfeiffer. Monster album, critically acclaimed album. Art from adversity, maybe you could call it. He went through some things prior to releasing that album. Number nine, Beck, Sea Change. Sea Change was a very critically acclaimed album, written after his nine-year relationship with Lee Lyman failed due to her infidelity. Ouch. Yeah. Number eight, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, The Boatman's Call. Whoa. I wasn't aware of this. I did not know this. Much of this album tracks the ill-fated romance of Nick Cave and PJ Harvey. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, me either. Yeah, learn something new. Hmm. Number seven, near and dear. Spiritualized, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. That's a breakup album? Oh, my God. Oh, my Is God. Is that a breakup I album? Had, I had no idea. Oh, well, what? I mean, there are two competing themes in that album. Theme number one is... I am breaking up and feel bad. And theme number two is I feel bad. So I'm going to do heroin. Oh, why didn't I, I don't know why we never did heroin, but okay. <laughs> I do. Cause it would be stupid. Meh. So, um, Jason Pierce and keyboardist for the band, Kate Radley, it was a very public breakup and she, I don't know the timelines. I'm not going to speak about it really because I don't know. But uh, she apparently left him for Richard Ashcroft of The Ooh, Verve. Ooh, that crazy bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, That album is a crusher. And it is just a, an emotionally devastating album to listen to. Even today, it is, oof, it is, it is an ordeal to get through. I love it. I, I love it, but it is, it is an ordeal. It's also like a 80 minute album or a 90 minute album to listen to. So it is a, it is a, a, a monolithic album. Wow. Cool. Number six, Joni Mitchell blue. Oh yeah. So Joni had just split with long-term partner Graham Nash. Yeah. And then, uh, she started to write blue while touring, touring Europe. And then she fell madly in love with James Taylor. And so her writing kind of died off because she had this new thing going on. And then he dumped her. So oh, <laughs> she was man. right back to writing her tragic wow. album. What's wrong with her? Ooh, so that is... Good Canadian girl. Yeah. Number five, Amy Winehouse. Mm. Uh, back to Black. Poor um, Amy. And that, yeah, that all happened very much in the public eye. Uh, number four, Bon Iver. Who? Bon, bon Iver. Bon Iver. No clue. Ah, 4AD indie um, band, indie folk rock band. Hmm. He he went through a, Justin Vernon went through a, a breakup. And then uh, in the wake of that, he was diagnosed with mono. And so oh. he spent three months isolated in a cabin. <laughs> so it's nice. Unabomber style. So <laughs> nice. So as not to pass it off to anyone else. And so in that intervening time, I guess, what else do you do? Well, you write a tragic album. Number three, Blur 13. Number Blur 13. Any notable songs on that? Yeah, Tender was the monster hit. Oh, okay. It's a great song. That album largely chronicled the relationship falling apart between Damon Albarn and 
Elastica's Justine Frischman. Remember mm, Elastica? Of course. Yeah. So there, there was that. And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, that was also that at, at a point in the band's history when things were very strained with the guitarist who was also going through a struggle with alcoholism. So I, that album sounds like it was a lot of stuff. Number two, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Oh, wow. Monster album. Monster album. Dylan biographers, uh, it sounds like all generally point to this being an album that largely happens in the wake of his separation from his then wife. This is something that he's denied again and again, apparently. But, you know, listen, make of it what you will. Number one, Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Yeah, makes sense. Certainly is not a surprise to be there. The band (laughs) broke up with each other. (laughs) That was is a lot there's a lot of drama a lot of drama christine and john mcvee split stevie nicks and lindsey buckingham split and uh then there were things that happened amongst the band members after they split with each other there was a <laughs> there was all kinds of stuff that went on but definitely a breakup album and also definitely just a monster album yeah, both creatively what an album and, to come out of that yeah both creatively and commercially just oh yeah gigantic gigantic record so that's my list cool great list yeah I'm, i as you were saying that i was trying to come up with a, a breakup album but i don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of albums that i listen to yeah i think there's a there's a there's definitely songs i don't know about albums but there's definitely songs well you, um, in, a, in the previous episode you mentioned the cure yeah oh yeah pictures of you oh, oh god oh, yeah oh, 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 oh. big time you know what song comes up for me is brick by Ben Folds Five. Oh my God! Yeah, Ben Folds Five. Uh, <laughs> great, great song. Heartbreak. Oh, brutal. Yeah. It's not. Is it? I guess. I, I guess the ultimate result of that is is a breakup, but it's not really. A, do you classify I, that a breakup song? Well, I do. Right. Maybe it's just time and place, but I don't know necessarily that it's classified as a breakup song. But man, is it? It's a. It's a tough song. Oh, it is. It really is. His every, just about everything about that song sells it. His vocals, his the lyrics. Oof, yeah. brutal, brutal song. Great song. Great song. Tough subject. Yeah, very tough subject. Oof. So that subject is also the subject of today's album. Today's album is two things. It's a breakup album. Really? Yes. That's a breakup song. No. Okay. But it's also. A spacey concept album. Yes. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here Down we the go. road of the spacey concept album. There's going to be a couple of things that why, we dive into. There's why be have some... you not done 2112 yet? Because <laughs> I won't, I will not touch a Rush song so or album. So disappointing. Because that's, uh, that is your I field welcome to it. play in. I welcome it, honestly. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so this is... Uh... <laughs> A big spacey concept album. We've got a couple of things to go over. There's going to be some, obviously, some traditional space nerd talk. There's also going to be some book nerd talk and some general pop culture nerd talk. So I am really hitting the trifecta in this episode, I think. You had not heard of this album before before I brought this up, had you? No. And beyond that, I'd never even heard of the band. Right. So the band in question is a band called The Comas. Uh, in my head, I like to mispronounce it as the commas. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny to me. It's a single M. Stop because, it. Because I'm a loser. Uh, they are a, a, a band out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And this album dropped in uh, August of 2004. They're a, a band that has six members. But the principal songwriter is a guy named Andy Herod. I'm going to break from tradition. And I'm going to beat you to the punch. One of the questions that you usually ask me on an album that is completely foreign to you is how did I, how did I find that album? Where'd you dig this thing up? That's one of your commonly asked questions. Yeah. Typically this album I read about in a 2004 issue. It was the year end issue of magnet magazine. They always did their year end roundup. And so it was always cool to crack open that year end issue, that December issue and see what they had, what they had listed as the best albums of the year. And so they had these great little year-end lists. So that year, this album, Conductor by the Comas, 
was listed as one of the best of the year. The thing that immediately stuck out to me was its description as being the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock in space. Did you ever have to read the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, T.S. Eliot poem? In what? Where would I ever come across that? English class. <laughs> English class? Like I went. <laughs> oh fair, fair point. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. That's You make a good point. I saw this. I remember reading that description and thinking, well, I've got to check that out. This is 2004. You couldn't simply listen to this online. So I had to go out and buy the album. Is it apt? No, <laughs> not really. So here's another article that someone wrote that I'm going to take issue <laughs> with to go along with my pet sounds issue. Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock is uh, something that really, really hit me hard when I came across it in, in school. Really, are there similarities with that poem and with this album? No, other than bleakness. Mm. Prufrock, the poem, is is not a breakup poem it's not about a breakup on any level really that i can point to it's really about if anything regret remember we talked in a previous episode hell about yeah yeah one of the things that we didn't really get into there are two kinds of regret you aware of this two kinds of regret yeah i have no idea all regret can be compartmentalized into two different categories there is the regret of action and the regret of inaction Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The most common form of regret, the most oft-cited form of regret, is the regret of inaction. The regret of things that we failed to do when the chance presented itself. I should have said this, or I should have done this, yeah. Yeah, or the, or the, the regret of things that we never accomplished, I suppose. Oh, man, that list is long, brother. This is where Proof Rock as a, as a work lives. That's its wheelhouse. So yeah, it's not a breakup poem. It's not about lost love, even. If it's about love at all, it's about a life lived never having loved, which is, oof. Ouch. And more importantly, it's, a, it's about a life lived, which is unimportant. Oh, oh, oh. A life that's meaningless. No great love. Oh, damn. No great chances taken. No risks. No rewards. That thing sucks. So his, as a character, his, his primary motivations are, you know, shame and embarrassment and anxiety and awkwardness as a glum single loner, you know, <laughs> as a young man, this really lined up. Oh man. The shame forces him to sort of hide from others. There's a, there's a line that I always think about. Uh, there will be time to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. Like he's talking about going off into the world and, and not showing people who you really are. Oh. And he talks a lot in that poem about unfulfilled p potential. Uh, I've seen the moment of my greatness flicker and I've seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker. Like he just, he's looking back and oh. whatever moments that he had, any chances and opportunities that he had for any sort of personal greatness it just no <laughs> bro i'm i'm cringing hard over here yeah and one of the most brutal passages is when he talks about how when he looks back at his life as we all do when we see our lives through our own memory you know we tend to see ourselves as the protagonist in the movie of our life that you're the you're the central figure in the story of you yeah and he doesn't see himself that way no i am not prince hamlet nor was meant to be, am an attendant lord, one that will do to swell a progress, start a scene or two, advise the prince, no doubt an easy tool, deferential, glad to be of use, politic, cautious, and meticulous, full of high sentence, but a bit obtuse, at times, indeed, almost ridiculous, almost at times the fool. Oh, that gets me right in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Does it line up with what Conductor is about as an album? No. It's not a breakup poem. Conductor is a breakup album. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, it. Conductor doesn't even seem interested in any of those questions that are posed by Proofrock. 
for one thing, Andy Hare clearly sees himself as a sort of the lead romantic figure in a tragedy. The album seems to be entirely occupied with this breakup or this loss of love or even like bitterness intermixed with some vague sci-fi elements. Yeah, it's funny the two are mixed. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Okay. There's breakup at the core of the album. Like that's that's what right. it really feels like it's about if you could stand back and say, what's this album about? But there's no real narrative to it per se. There's actually two breakups at the core of this album because the the band also broke from its record label and went to oh, another label. But to okay. be honest, who cares? Not me. That may have impacted the production. But, you know, I, I don't know how interesting that is on its own as a story. The band is said to have recorded the album three full times. Ooh. With it never quite clicking. Who are they? And, Guns N' Roses? Yeah. Well, they were with Sony at the onset and Sony was pitching money at them, just throwing it at them. At one point it was being, it was being recorded in a studio in lower Manhattan, one of the more expensive studios in the area. They never quite felt at home there. An entire movie was filmed to support the album. Let me repeat that. <laughs> wow. Like a, like a full feature film. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now it's a the short film and what it, generally amounts to is a collection of music videos does it exist it was the dvd that came with the cd oh no kidding so here's the thing you'd never heard of the comas before no can i stop you for one sec uh-huh so i had read that this band originally formed as a joke playing kooky country music country covers. music is that is that's that's true I, I'm sure we read the same things. Yeah. As far okay. as I can tell. All right. Yeah. Conductor was their third album from the sounds of it. They never got to a point where they recorded that material. By the time they got picked up and they started to record albums, they had left that behind. But I assume from a live, they, they were living in North Carolina. They were living in Chapel Hill. And so hmm. it was a, it sounds like it was a, an ironic country band. It was tongue in cheek. They do not sound country. No, not on this album, for sure. So here's the thing. The movie is a sci-fi thing with a fair amount of digital optical effects in it. There's not much story to be told. Just like the album, it doesn't come together in a narrative way. There's no, there's no story that bridges the gaps between songs. The songs all have a focus, but overall, it, it, there's no epic tale being told but nonetheless we're talking about an unknown indie band that racked up recording costs of over thirty thousand dollars now that's nothing compared to guns and roses but for an unknown, <laughs> or my bloody valentine or my bloody valentine but for an unknown indie band that's a big deal that's a big deal yeah so why was and and even if even if I say, well, it wasn't really a movie. It was a collection of music videos, one for each song that was strung together on a DVD that was packaged with the album. Okay. Still sounds expensive. But how many albums, even by big artists, have a video for every single song? None. Why was there so much label interest in supporting these ballooning costs? Who was the label? This was just an indie it label? Was, it was Sony, and then it was a... Oh, And then okay. they jumped ship and went to a Warner sub-label called Yep Rock. But this was not an, an independent... I mean, to be with Sony and then be with Warner. Dude, they're a pretty indie band. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you, would, you would never heard of them, and I'm sure uh, many, many of the people that are listening to this won't also have heard of them. Sure. If we want to be cynical about things... The reason, maybe, that the album got the attention and the money and the video for it that it got was that there was a, a rising star in the pop culture landscape attached to it. But maybe not in the way that you're thinking. It wasn't a singer. wasn't a songwriter for the album. It wasn't a hot guitarist. <laughs> wasn't a member of the band itself. But rather, the subject of the breakup story, Andy Harrod's former girlfriend actress michelle williams no kidding yeah from dawson's creek 
and many critically acclaimed movies and projects after Come that. Come on. Yeah. Yes. We'll get into that. <laughs> but I wanted to talk a little bit about the song itself and give that a listen. Because sure. the, this is one of the few songs on the album that, at least on the surface, seems to have nothing to do with a breakup or an acrimonious relationship. This is a song that is fully in the sci-fi vein. I really, really love this song. Um, it's a great album overall, but I really, really love this song. Uh, but let's take a listen to it first before we talk about it. Sure. So, hey, Darren. Yes, Jake? Play me tape! So 
That was the last transmission by the comas or the commas, however you want to say it. <laughs> never, never heard of this band. Did a little bit of reading when you sent it to me. And like we'd mentioned before, this was some kind of jokey country band or something. But when I listened to the song, it was nothing like that. Right. And this song, you had me listen to a couple of other songs as well. Yeah. And I'll touch on some of those actually. But none of them stood out like this song did. Yeah. This song is amazing. Yeah. I listened to it numerous times. It's one of those songs like you've sent to me, the Donnie and Joe Emerson song and the Long Winter song, Commander Thinks Aloud. Love this it. This is a song that I've listened to multiple times because I've craved it. Having listened to it the first time. Oh, I that makes up, me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I to, know, up, to know that that, yeah, that, that it had that effect. I love this song. I ended up singing it and playing it. And this is also a song that I actually played for my wife. What was her take? Well, she's knocked down the last few songs that you've played. She didn't like the Stereolab song. She didn't like the Guns N' Roses song. Oh, that hurts. She hasn't heard the Don and And Donnie and Joe Emerson song yet. I think she'll, she'll be okay with that one. But she was a little bit lukewarm on the last few songs that you've played. Yeah, fair. Didn't like the Stan Bush song? Actually, she did like that song. <laughs> Everybody played, likes that song. I played the Stan Bush stuff for her, and I played multiple songs for her, and she liked it. But yeah, but uh, she liked the song, and and so did I. It's a great song, and it it is very spacey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, breakup song. I don't see it. No. I, like you said, I don't. Not think on it the has surface. Much anyway. to do with that. Right. But what a fantastic song, and another song that I will add to my playlist. Yeah. Because it's a good one. So yeah, I'm, I'm dying to hear the story behind it. This song is, as I said, the outlier for the album. There's a lot of thematic science fiction-y stuff on this album. And this is the most outwardly sci-fi song in the bunch. And as I said, there are two things of note about this song. One is that it's definitely in that science fiction vein. And two is that it's got almost no breakup at least on the surface but we'll touch on that a little bit when he sat down to write the songs that comprised this album he says that these are songs that were not written all at once at the end of a breakup that these are songs that rattled around in his head six months prior because the writing was on the wall and it sounds as though as much as it was a devastating thing to happen it was fairly amicable so that it wasn't a an ugly public split or it wasn't a i guess as far as these things go it's maybe a best case scenario and what ended up happening is she supplied a a place for him when they split he stayed in her beach house and spent i'm not really sure how long weeks or months there getting himself together and doing the writing and drinking a lot of wine and watch, watching the movie Dark City on a loop. Have you ever seen Dark City? No. Kind of a, as the name implies, dark science fiction movie. Huh. So with that in mind, I mean, it's to the extent that he thanks wine in the credits of the album. So I think it was a pretty dark time. Yeah, wow. The overall plot. I wonder what kind of wine it was. I, he doesn't say. It just is no, the word right. wine. Just hmm. the word wine. I wonder if it was Ripple. Thunderbird. Mm. The overall plot. Boxed wine. Wow. An advanced scout reports on concerns of a tactical nature in the face of a planned conquest of some planet or race. Holy crap. That's the plot. And I love these themes, man. I really like songs that tell a narrative. I, I've yeah. said this many times. I really like st- songs that tell a story. There's no story actually being told. Really? There's no, there, no, there's no plot progression. Because it, it doesn't come across that way. I know, but if you, if you really break down what's happening in the song. He's talking about the last transmission and yeah. channel 21. And he's calling back to his overseers at the Galactic Imperium or whatever. <laughs> oh my God, this is the nerdiest thing I've I ever seen. I love it. Amazing. So he's calling back to the overseers and this is how the song starts. I'm calling to tell you that we're cleared to attack because this race of aliens are completely helpless. We've basically already won. Go ahead. 
It's a, it's a done deal at this point. It's one of those things where even when I listen on the repeat, I'm always waiting for this ironic twist, which never comes. You know, we, we were raised on Twilight Zone, so we're always waiting for the ironic twist. You've got this whole report coming in about these soon-to-be genocided aliens, and I'm expecting them to stand strong against this impending destruction and show this, I don't know, this undemonstrated strength, this backbone or whatever it is, and it never happens. Now I'm going to go even deeper <laughs> into the nerdery. Uh-oh. Star Trek, Errand of Mercy. Oh, oh boy. We're going there, aren't we? I know. I'm so, I'm so sorry. There's an episode of the original series. There's Klingons. It's the whole thing. I'm so sorry. If I could, if I could give you a time I code to, to, to skip ahead. Uh, plan. <laughs> That's a good Bill Shatner. This is an episode where they've landed at Organia. I know. God. I'm dying over here. I'm dying. <laughs> and the Klingons seem to be occupying this planet and the Organians just willingly accept their subjugation without any sort of complaint or even any apparent ill will over it. And Kirk gets there and he's not, he's not merely angry or frustrated with them. He's disgusted. He's disgusted by them, Wait. by this seeming cowardice. Go they're ahead. like, they're like the French. Oh, sacre bleu. So the whole thing, this, this refusal to fight back, they're pacifists and they keep telling everyone they're pacifists and the Klingons will make a show of things and will execute some of them. And, and Kirk is, he's disgusted. And the Organians say, don't, no one's dead. Don't worry about it. And he can't understand. And then uh, obviously at the end, there's the big twist. There's the reveal that they're, actually these extremely powerful incorporeal beings and none of this has mattered it's just a planet the, these they take on these human forms it's not a big deal this side that side a war we don't care all of your guns and it's we're so far beyond that and so every time i sit down and listen to this song i i kind of have it in my head as it plays out that there's this final twist that's being left out that that at the end of this transmission, the alien race is going to rise up, or maybe it'll be continued in the next song. The alien race will rise up and not be obliterated. Never happens. Wishful thinking. <laughs> the song in actual fact uh, ends with attack, attack. They will not fight you. They are not like you. We have already won. We have already won. Is this a metaphor? Well, I don't know. I think it is. The only female character in this song is the interstellar queen for whom this conquest and this expansion outward into space is being done. Is it possible that this is a really, truly negative song and that's just where his head state was at in the writing of this album? I'm sure. I'm sure. So at the end of the day, is it a breakup song? No, but... I, I think it's probably indicative of the state he was in at the time. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the album itself starts off with a song called The Science of Your Mind. And I had you listen to that one as well. Yeah. And it's a minor key, mid-tempo song. And so the album gets off on kind of a sad foot. It's not a slow, sad ballad. It is a mid-tempo song, but it's not, oh man, it's not a happy start to the album. And the opening lines of the album are, help me make this go away like you burned up all my faith Oof. the science of your mind is not like mine so go and find another kind in the presence of another the science fiction element of it is someone who's human speaking to someone non-human is it someone speaking to an android i don't know it's not clear it's never made clear the movie which I really hadn't watched the first time with any real closeness. When I bought the album, I sat down with it and rewatched the movie. There's no more clarity after watching the movie than there is listening to the songs themselves. The movie largely follows four people kind of roaming around in this ugly gray dystopia. And there's a lot of CGI and there's some 
interesting effects going on. There are four characters and there's some robots and there's some kind of a plant human hybrid thing. (laughs) I don't fully understand if that's supposed to mean something metaphorically, but little actually actively occurs over the course of the 45 minute running time. Did you say robots? I said robots. Yeah. I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> Sorry. So there's a there's a sequence in one of the songs when Andy Harrod and Michelle Williams, because she's in the movie. No kidding. You won't find this on IMDb. I looked, but this 45-minute short film that accompanies the album, she's in it. And she spends most of the running time sort of standing and looking like a young Rory Calhoun. So when these two characters meet, they kiss, and the kiss generates an explosion which destroys the hazy, gray cityscape. I don't know about you, but to me, that seems a little on the nose. (laughs) Their kiss destroys everything. (laughs) Jesus. I think the most obvious nod to her and the breakup is the third track. It's called Tonight on the WB. Oh, snap. By the way, in the exact same place where he thanks wine, he also thanks Michelle personally and the WB. <laughs> oh, man. For those younger listeners, the WB was a network which is now being superseded by the CW. So, right. More or less the same thing. Pitchfork referred to this song as, and I quote, embarrassingly transparent Oof. yeah the song starts out your windows are blacked out from bad things like real love you feel like a hole in space but i love it when you fall apart you turn it into higher art we see it in your eyes but your lips never part you're a star so bitter <laughs> so much bitterness <laughs> oh man Always amazes me that people put themselves out there like that. I mean, the lyrics that I've read, there's, with the exception of the song that, that we played earlier, tran- the last transmission, there isn't a lot of actual sci-fi going on. Even though it's very synth-heavy as an album, it's very processed, heavily, heavily processed. And it it's really pretty wants spacey. A, it really wants a, a spacey, futuristic sound. Yeah. There is a song called Hologram. And it is also fairly sci-fi in its, in its concept, I suppose. But it's, it's really hard to say because simply the, the mention of a hologram, which is a science fiction-y sounding word, and the fact that he talks about living on a station without you. Otherwise, every time I think about a zero, it's me with my eyes X'd out with a Sharpie and a frown. I mean... <sighs> There's not really as much sci-fi on this album as they want us to believe, but there's a lot of heartbreak. There is a lot of bitterness. It's bubbling to the surface and he's letting it. It's his own catharsis. And for those of us that are listening in that state, well, I guess it's catharsis for us too. Yeah, I guess. Some of us would say, stop whining, you whiny (laughs) So what's the fallout of all this? The album was very well received and it made a number of, it made a number of best of lists or alternately on in spin magazine and maybe Rolling Stone. It made that list that they always do where it's songs, you best songs you didn't hear from this year. It did get shout outs. Did it improve the standing of the band? Nope. They had a follow-up album uh, and shortly thereafter broke up. But the funny thing is the Notting Hill phenomenon, which seems to have occurred surrounding this album and this band and this relationship. You ever seen the movie Notting Hill? No. Right. Hugh Grant. Because it's a (laughs) rom-com. Hugh Grant, right? It's a very watchable movie. I've seen it. Julia Roberts? You got it. 1999, Notting Hill. Yeah. And there's a little bit of crossover. So I I pulled up some dialogue that was very reminiscent of the long-term effect of this album. Hugh Grant plays a character named William... Julia Roberts plays a character named Anna. She's a world famous actress and he's a nobody who works in a bookshop and they fall in love as happens with rom-coms. It does not go smoothly, but it all works. Okay. In the end, spoilers, you've ruined it. I'm so sorry. So she comes to see him 
and the paparazzi gets wind of where she is and they take pictures. She's horrified, but he doesn't see the problem. And he says, today's newspapers will be lining tomorrow's waste paper bin. And she says, excuse me? And he says, you know, it's just one day. Tomorrow, today's papers will all have been thrown out. And she says, you really don't get it. The story will be filed. Every time anyone writes anything about me, they'll dig up these photos. Newspapers last forever. I'll regret this forever. And he replies, I will feel the opposite, if that's okay by you, and always be glad you came to stay. It's kind of this heartbreaking little moment. Booyah. But the point is, this story will be filed. Every time anyone writes anything about me, they'll dig up these photos. Andy Harrod's online persona seems to be inexorably tied to Williams and this breakup. I googled the album that followed this. What do you think they talk about? The relationship with Michelle Williams? The comas broke up. And his next band was called the Electric Owls. When they released their debut, guess what they talked about? He was the guy that dated Michelle Williams? Yeah. <laughs> oh, brutal. Now, here's the crazy thing. Oh, the poor bastard. Michelle Williams' Wikipedia page. There's no mention of any oh, of this on ouch. her page. So it's only big on one side. Yeah. The side that is least famous. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's a beating. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do about that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about before when your high point is somebody else's low point. Yes. Very Ouch. much so. Yeah. That stings. Is this album a dinger? No. I honestly think it could be. Stop it. It's, if it's not, it's pretty close. You listen to about three songs. I like the entire album. There's a song or two that are maybe a little on the softer side, a little bit weaker, but I like the entire album. I have listened to this album beginning to end many, many times. I've listened to this album just this week alone. I don't know, six, eight times, plus sitting down and, and watching the movie. And I'm using finger quotes when I say that. I did not enjoy it nearly as much when presented as a movie. I will just say that. You can see the individual videos. If you look them up on, on YouTube, you can see what the individual videos look like. Hold, hold on, though. So when you watch something like this and you listen to something like this, that's, uh, you know, a breakup movie, video, album, whatever. Okay, yeah. And you're at a very different place in your life yeah. than you were 20 years ago or whatever. You're happily married. You've got kids, whatever. When you look at an album like this or you look at things like this, do you not go, stop it, you whiny bitch? I think that's entirely up to presentation. I've maybe <laughs> not painted a stellar picture of the album. I have cherry-picked some of the most cringe-inducing passages because those are the ones that handle and deal with the breakup directly and they're most obviously about it it's the reason i chose those selections right there's a lot of this album which doesn't really seem very science fictiony and it doesn't seem very breakupy you know what i mean like there's there's yeah. there's a whole album behind it and i'm highlighting only those parts <laughs> that really steer into that particular skid yeah okay I still, I feel like when I listen to stuff like this, that a lot of times songs that meant so much to me, if I was enduring a breakup or something oh, like yeah. that, that I listen to now and go, oh, give me a break. Shut up. Yeah. I, there, there are certain things, there are certain, we've talked about this. There are certain albums that bring up specific memories that you can't go back to. It, yeah. Oh, I can't listen to that anymore. Yeah. Or at least you, you have to set aside for years on it. I can't listen to that song. That reminds me of X. That reminds me of Y. Right. That reminds me of Z. I can't do it. There's also stuff that songs that, oh man, songs that really spoke to you when you were at, maybe at your low points that suddenly when you hear them, I get it. You hear them and you're at a high point and you think, eh, it doesn't do anything for me now. Yeah. An album like this, if it's well put together, yeah. then it stands outside of that. You get enough of a sense of empathy 
from what's going on. It transcends that. Yeah. That when you're listening to it, you understand what his feelings are, but you don't necessarily need to be feeling that yourself in the moment. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I'm trying to think of a good breakup song. One that I've listened to. I think there's a Guns N' Roses song off of User Illusion. Oh, okay. I thought you were. That was like <laughs> I a used breakup to love her. song. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. That is not a good breakup no, song. No, there's a breakup song on User Illusion that I think I listened to that really spoke to me at the time. I was dealing with some with a breakup at the time. Yeah. And obviously, the Cure album, I think I had the same thing. The song Pictures of You was the same thing. Oh, it's a great go to song for that. So sad. Yeah. Oh, God, I was a loser. <laughs> anyway. No, you were a teenager. <laughs> yeah, good point. We were all the same. At least oh. you at least you had a breakup to oh, go through. Stop. Ooh, stop. ouch. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah, it's a good topic though. I love I love the idea of breakup albums. You know what would be great? Absolutely great. If people could use the link provided and send us an email so that they could tell us maybe their own breakup songs. You mean play me tape podcast at gmail.com? Is that the one that you speak? That of? is the very one of which I speak. And where else might people reach us? What other location might we they have reach a, us? We have a Facebook page, if you can believe it. A brand new shiny Facebook page. Yeah, just type in play me tape. You'll find it. We're there. Right. We're there. We would love to hear about your breakup song. What song gave you solace? And what song, even better, what song can you never hear again? Do you have one? A breakup song? Yeah. Sure. What? Well, I can't tell you because there's future episodes of it. <laughs> oh, stop. Just tell me. Shut up. Um, I don't know that I have a, a, a breakup song necessarily. There's a, a really amazing song by a band called Ockerville River that found me at just the right time for me to hear it. Really? And there's another song by a band called The Wrens. Wren with a W like the bird. The Wrens. Yeah. It was a crusher that happened to catch me at just the right time for me to hear it. Hmm. Um, so I've, I've got a few, and I'm sure there are other ones if I really went back and looked at it. There are other ones that we've said again and again that there, there are songs that I, I can't touch with a 10-foot pole anymore, <laughs> for sure. But breakup songs, that uh, yeah, I would really have to sit and think about it any more of those yeah it's a good topic there's a lot personally i think um killing in the name of by the rage against the machine is one you, for me when you break up with authority <laughs> i only had a couple of really tough breakups so finding music that goes along with that i don't know i know there was i like i said there was the the guns and roses song the cure song i think pictures of you and Beyond that, I don't think there was a whole lot. I was pretty angry and pretty sad at the same time. Mm -hmm. Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit might have been in there. Ah, so you skew angry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh Jesus, yes. I oh, want to wow. smash stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so is the Guns N' Roses song like an aggressive angry song? I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Um, I, I go the other way. What's the song? Don't, don't you... Uh, I want to sing it. Don't you cry I, tonight? Oh, that, that song. Yeah. What song is that? Uh, is it November Rain or is no, it? No, it's not November what's... Rain. Damn it. Yeah, I don't know the name of it, but boy, oh boy, that song was pretty emotional at the time. Hang on, Jesus. Don't you cry I, tonight? That's There's song. a heaven above <laughs> yeah, you, that song. baby. That song. I think he wrote that about his girlfriend, Stephanie Seymour. Uh, fiance. Oh, right. Fiance. That song. That's a breakup song for sure. It's called Don't Cry. God damn it. We're dumb. It's called Don't Cry. That's it's right. Don't Cry. Yeah, we're, good call. We're slow. Yeah, we're stupid. Eh? That was a bad time. Yeah, Axel was speaking to me. That song was a huge hit. So there was yeah. a lot of sad people. It's a good song. Yeah. And at the time, I think I was going through a pretty massive breakup at the time. And yeah, it... Uh, it was nice to lean on. No, it was more of a punch in the face. I didn't want to hear it. Oh. Because, because it reminded me of the uh, 
serious oh, nature of the breakup, right? Right. Yeah. And you don't want to be reminded of it. You want to be like, yeah, I'm good. Oh, I yeah. I don't need her. Again, I go the other way. She can stick it. <laughs> you have these healthy impulses and urges. I don't have those. Oh, I, 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 I don't think it was very healthy. I want to lie face down on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. That's my impulse. Uh, I'm just going to lie here and moan. Uh. Yeah. Now I I can't argue. I think that was I think that was probably the case. When I was listening to that song, I was probably laying on the floor right. upset. Yeah, it's amazing that that would you call it even a a genre of music, the breakup song exists. Yeah. So that we can wallow in the misery. Well, classic country the blues. I guess, right? I mean, that's that's where those genres live. Isn't that isn't that wild though? Don't you think that's crazy? No, no I don't think it's crazy at all. That we want to go through that and feel that and no, have it k- kick our ass. Pain reaches out to pain. Jesus. We've talked about it over and over again. I guess. When you're down in that place, you want the music that complements that feeling that that reflects that feeling that you yourself are feeling. Yeah, I guess. Misery Lives Company. That song that is perfectly written to express the way that you're feeling in that moment lets you know that someone else felt this. And that's a positive thing. I Because it also yeah. means someone came through it. Yeah, true. Yeah, good point. I never looked at it that way, but that's a distinct possibility. The ones that are weird for me, and I experienced this as recent as yesterday, is listening to The Commander Thinks Aloud by The Long Winters, yeah. the, song, the song that you introduced me to. I played, I played it for my wife for the first time yesterday. We were listening to a bunch of songs. Oh, she'd never heard that? She'd never heard that. She hasn't oh, wow. listened to that episode yet. She's, I think she just finished the Guns N' Roses episode. So I played that for her. She loved it. Yeah. My eyes were watering. Yeah. I can't get through that song. It's punishing. I just I love it. it. I love yeah. it. But it's I love punishing. it. I love it, but it it hammers me. And that's that's not even the expression of something that we can realistically or logically understand. But it's so well crafted that, you know, we feel that empathy. We feel in a few short lines and knowing the history of the song. Yeah. We we Feel the tragedy of it. Yeah. Oh man, I I was blown away. I mean, I was trying to explain it to my wife, and I said, you know, this is a song that has become one of my new favorites. I love it, but in the in the same vein, it it absolutely destroys me when I listen to it. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't want to listen to it. It just means that I'm going to have teary eyes when I'm done. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed by that. And but... yet you want to go back to that on almost yeah. daily. I don't know yeah. what it is. I, I don't know if it's as we age, we're more drawn to things that are, are more emotionally resonant. I don't know. Well, it means something. Whether good or bad, it means something. And yeah. I think when those we're emotional responses are so important. And as you age and you realize you've only got a limited amount of time left... Ooh. Well, it's true, right? You're, you start you're not to, wrong. It just sucks that it does. But but you do start to realize so often in our youth, time is a luxury. Yeah. And it's not anymore. And when you realize that, it's sad. And then when you realize in a song like that, or even a song, you know, any sort of breakup song, any sort of song where there's pain, you sort of realize that whether you're feeling pain or happiness, it's kind of important regardless. And what you're just describing, that's that's the, the core of the Proof Rock poem. A song that would pair better with Proof Rock is Pink Floyd, Time. Right, yeah. No one told me when to run. Yeah, you missed the starting gun. You turn around and 10 years have got passed. Yeah. The hell happened? I actually read a quote... And I think it was just on YouTube. You know, somebody had had posted a, put a little comment under the song for Heavy, for Collective Soul. Okay. (laughs) It said, you know, when this song came out, I was a teenager. Now I'm an adult with a job and two kids. Uh, That happened fast. 
Yeah, our perception of time gets really wonky as we Ooh, age. Man. Yeah. And and it, it was so true when I read that. Like, wow, where did the time go? I remember 1999. That's the year my son was born. He's 21. Yeah. <laughs> where did the time go? Dude, we should probably wrap this up. Yes. We like to talk. We like to talk. All right. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, please consider following us. Until next time, keep listening to the music that means something and always try and listen with an open mind. End communication. <laughs>